With what we believe when it comes to what people need to hear, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. We believe in biblical discipleship, and we want to steer away from the opinions of man. We reject secular humanism as a way to solve life's problems, and we want to bring you to the understanding of God's Word. We want to be able to open the Word of God, even though the answer might be tough to deliver, even though the answer might be hard to share, intact, And in love, we need to share the truth in love and not our opinions. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Opinion, someone has said, is the lowest form of human knowledge existing somewhere between knowledge and ignorance, and they often change. But while opinions change, there is something that doesn't. Something else is needed, and that's God's life-changing truth. Hello, and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. One way God gets truth to a life that needs it is through the gift of exhortation. It's mentioned in Romans 12. Here to tell us more about it is Pastor Ed. That gift of exhortation actually draws you to want to connect with them one-on-one because that's part of your heart. That's your desire. So flip over now to Revelation chapter 2. Let's look at this gift in the life of Jesus. And then we're going to look at it in the life of the church and a man by the name of Barnabas as well as Paul. Then we're going to look at some hazards as our pattern has been in these giftings. And then I've got a couple little tidbits at the end of our Bible study, some ingredients to help you be a better biblical discipler. So Revelation, all the way at the end of your Bible to the right, Jesus exercising this gifting of exhortation to the church in Ephesus. And you'll recall just a few years earlier, Paul wrote a letter to this church in Ephesus, and he said, you guys are doing great. You're gifted with every spiritual gift. You're a blessing. You're doing wonderfully. And it was a few years later that Jesus, he wrote this little note to them, this little post-it note, put it right there in the church and said, hey, I want to share some things with you, and things have changed since then. Verse 1, chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you've tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You've persevered, you have patience, you've labored for my namesake and have not become weary. And we say, amen. Wouldn't you love to get a note from Jesus like this? I know all the good things that are going on in your life. I know how strong you are. I know how wonderful you are. This is the gift of encouragement. You're like, yeah, I love those kind of notes. And then there's that word, right? Nevertheless. And Jesus, he turns a corner to start to exhort them. He says, nevertheless. And now he shares the facts. Here's the facts. You've left your first love. Church, what's happened? You've left your first love. I have this against you, he says. And often the person with the gift of exhortation like Jesus here, they'll just, hey, this is the way it is. This is it. This is the facts. You've left your first love. Now, if you're not careful, you'll respond real negatively. You'll put a, no, you can't tell me that, but you need to know the facts before you hear the remedy. That's the model that Jesus gives. Here are the facts and here's the remedy. 
Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. There's got to be a time in your life where things have been better than they are right now. Remember that time and enjoy it. Receive it. Be encouraged in the things of the Lord. And then don't miss this. He says, repent. You know, true change in the Christian's life only comes through repentance. It's not just you leaving here going, I agree with you, Ed. It's not just you listening to some Bible study on the radio go, oh, I agree with that guy. It's not just you being busted and having remorse. Oh, I'm really sorry that I got in trouble. I'm really sorry that I did that. I feel really bad. Great, good beginning. Now repent. Take that emotion and turn it into godly sorrow and understand that your sin was against a holy and a righteous God and have that sense of saying, God, I don't want to live that kind of life with you any longer. I repent. I turn from my sin. Please, church, don't confuse remorse with repentance. They are two very different things. There's a lot of believers out there, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but their behavior never changes. You know why? Because they haven't repented. There are a lot of people that have been in trouble with the law and their response is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they go through and receive the consequences and they come out and do the same exact thing because they need to repent. I recognize that these Bible studies, they go out over the airwaves right into prison cells, right into jail cells, right into cars of people, into homes of people that might be plotting and thinking through how they might try to sin and get away with it. And to those that are there or even here, I say to you, don't go there. Just repent of your sin and surrender to Jesus Christ. Remorse is a good beginning, but unless there's true repentance, you're never going to change. That's why you keep getting in that cycle. That's why you keep getting surrounded by people that justify your behavior. That's why you keep having people around you that just do the same things you do because it makes you feel comfortable when you see other people sin and you sin and you're like, well, we're all together. No, somebody's got to break that cycle. And the way that God breaks that cycle, you know what he does? He sends someone to your life that has the gift of exhortation and squares up with us, just gives us the facts. And I pray you're open to it, to receive it. Jesus, he exhorts them. Flip over now to Acts. Let's look at Acts chapter 15. Barnabas, he's known. Now, Acts is to the left, right? Because every other book from Revelation is to the left. So that's easy to find, right? You know two books in the Bible, don't you? Genesis, that's way in the beginning, and Revelation. So you got two, and everything's in between them in the middle, and then there's Matthew, right, in the beginning of the New Testament. Don't be discouraged when you, you'll learn the books of the Bible. Don't be discouraged. I remember there was a time in my life where I didn't know any of the books of the Bible, just Genesis and Revelation, and I used to look at the table of contents, which I still do from time to time, just to remember where the books are. Just get that word of God in your heart. Don't be discouraged. Keep trying. Acts chapter 15. Barnabas is known as the son of encouragement or the son of consolation, but we see a side of Barnabas here with Paul that has more of an exhortation to it. In verse 36 it says, Acts 15, Then after some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word of God and see how they are doing. And Barnabas was determined to take John called Mark. But Paul insisted. So you got a guy that's determined and you got a guy that's insisting. What do you think is going to happen? Hmm... Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted with one another. Now, we're not told what was in that contention, what that word represents, but we can use a holy imagination that it wasn't an easy conversation, that it was a really difficult time because Paul had the gift of exhortation, Barnabas has the gift of exhortation, neither one of them are going to give up any type of ground, and so... 
they decide, you know what, we're just going to split. We're not going to keep arguing. We're going to split. Barnabas takes off. He takes John Mark. He goes in one direction. Paul, we read here, takes off in another direction with Silas. And they committed the brethren to the grace of God. And we find out, it's not often that we find this out, but in this argument, we've got two competing views. We find out without any hesitation that Barnabas was right. You know why? Because at the end of Paul's life, you know who he calls for? John Mark. He says, send John Mark to me. He's been profitably in the ministry. Somewhere along the way, God got Paul's heart and said, you know, bring him. He's really profitable. He's a good brother. Even though at this point in life, there had to be that point of where these guys, neither one of them were to yield. And if you find yourself in situations like that, whether it's a marriage situation, one of you has to yield. Whether it's a situation with another brother or sister in the church, one of you has to yield. One of you has to be the peacemaker. One of you has to humble themselves. You have two people with the gift of exhortation. One of you is going to have to yield and just say, you know, we've got to stop this. I've said my piece. I've showed you the scriptures. We've got to move on. The gift of exhortation is so wonderful. It's like all the other gifts. There are also some dangers. If you want to jot these down, I want to give you a few of the dangers to look out for with this gifting. Number one, you have the gift of exhortation. You can easily be discouraged. With this gift of exhortation, you can, like other giftings, be very discouraged because those of you, those that you're trying to help and those that you're sharing the truth with and those that you're trying to encourage do not change. They don't listen. They argue with you. They make things more difficult for you and that can really bum you out. So be careful. Not everybody's going to listen to you. Not everybody's going to care what you say. Sometimes people get to a situation where all they're looking for is someone to agree with them. And you're not going to agree with them, and so they're not going to like it. Don't let that discourage you. You stay true to the Lord. You stay true to His Word. Number two, you have the gift of exhortation. Like the gift of service, you can overextend yourself. You may just find yourself being overextended because you tend to always be available. You can fall into the hazard of overcommitting yourself. Just helping this one over here and helping this family over here, helping this person over here, helping this guy over here. And before you know it, you can get into the mode of helping so many people that you neglect your own spiritual life, you neglect your own family, you neglect your own kids, you neglect your own responsibilities, all in the name of helping others. And there has to be balance. Your home needs to remain in order. And so you have to learn sometimes how to say no. Even though you see the needs and even though you know you might be able to help, you may have to say no and pray that someone else can step up and help in that situation. Number three, a danger of this gift is you can get overwhelmed with all the needs. It just is overwhelming to serve people and help them with their difficulties. And because you're geared to see these needs all around you, you can easily become overwhelmed by them all. The problems, the issues, the needs, the circumstances, the pain, the problems, the difficulties, the division, it's overwhelming. And so after a day of ministry, after a day of helping, the last thing you want to do is go home and turn on the news, okay? It's like, oh, more needs and more crisis. It's a global problem. It is. Instead, instead of being overwhelmed by all the needs, what you want to do is cultivate in your life a habit of thinking on good things thinking and meditating on those things that are pure, those things that are noble, those things that are praiseworthy. You want to practice the habit of seeing good in people, not just the bad. And you can see a list of those things in Philippians chapter 4. Still yet another danger for those of you with this gifting is number four. In your ministry, you may begin to lack confidentiality. 
you may begin to lack confidentiality. When you come alongside someone who is hurting, they may tell you things at the time in their lives, that particular time in their lives, that they haven't shared with anyone else at any other time. You know, it's always a danger. You always know you're on thin ice when you're talking to someone and you bring up a name of a person that's not in the conversation. You start talking about people and they're not there to defend themselves. They're not there to explain themselves. You know you're on thin ice when you start to talk about people when they're not there and you start talking about more about their problems and you kind of get a little team where you're talking about everybody's problems and names are being named and, and gossip's being shared and, and you're in sin when you do that. Maybe it's in the name of asking for help. Let's say a difficult situation's come to you and you need some help. Do you know that you can ask for help without divulging anything to people? Do you know you can ask for help in a general way without ever naming a name, without ever pointing out, oh, I won't name any names, but I need help for that one. Oh, man. Oh, what are you looking at me for? Now you're asking, why'd you point at me, Ed? Nothing personal for you in particular. It's just in general. What happens is, is that we begin to use names and talk about people, and you know what? Stop. Stop. You know, the number one thing you have in serving someone else, the number one thing that ties us together in this church is trust. And the enemy's always trying to break trust between us. And sometimes Satan doesn't even need to do it. All he has to do is push us in the direction and we'll break confidence. We'll share things we shouldn't share. It's a theme that comes up with our pastoral staff constantly and our lay leaders. Keep confidence. Keep confidence. And when you fail... Fix it, biblically. You don't want to lack confidence because those of you that have lost trust in someone, you know just how difficult it is to regain it. So this gifting really gets put on the shelf when you're not a person that can be trusted. And you know the church doesn't get to enjoy the gifting through your life because you can't be trusted. So nobody can tell you stuff. And then all people come around and go, be careful what you say to her, be careful what you say to him. What kind of reputation is that? especially if you have the gift of exhortation or just in general as believers. You don't want that kind of reputation. You want to be known, I want to be known as a man, as a woman that can be trusted. So be careful. Number five is our next danger as we're winding down here. Another danger in this gifting of exhortation is you begin to cultivate a habit of giving your opinions instead of the Word of God. Be careful. This is a big danger that you share so much, you've gone through so much, you've experienced so much that you just get real good at telling people your opinion instead of opening the Word of God with them. Well, I've been around a long time. I've been a counselor a long time. I've been a, I've been a this a long time. I've been a lot a long time. And, and I know this. I've handled this situation before. No, 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 you haven't. Every situation is new. New personalities, new people, new circumstances, new timing. And you don't want to give your opinion. We here at Calvary Chapel, we believe in biblical discipleship. Biblical counseling. And we want to steer away from the opinions of man. We at Calvary, we reject secular humanism as a way to solve life's problems. And we want to bring you to the understanding of God's Word. We want to be able to open the Word of God. Even though the answer might be tough to deliver, even though the answer might be hard to share, intact and in love, we need to share the truth in love and not our opinions. People aren't coming here to Calvary to hear our opinions. They want to hear the Word of God. And even if they are coming, even if you might be here today wondering what our opinions are and such and such and this and that, let me just say, 
We want to point you to not our opinions. We want to point you to the sure word of God and have you pray through how you develop your opinions so that we maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now, before we go, five things that I think will help you greatly, church. Those of you with the gift of exhortation, but also just in general, those of you that ever open the Bible to give someone some help. Five things that I think will really help you. Ready? Number one. When you're sharing the word with someone, when you're counseling biblically with someone, when you're in the discipleship process, number one, don't make their decisions for them. Give them direction. Give them God's word. But pray and cultivate a relationship where they make their own decisions. I'm not saying that you don't give clear direction. For sure there are times for that. Hey, stop this. Don't do that. But don't make their decisions for them. Help them make their own decisions. Be careful not to tell them what they have to do, but rather instead share with them what God's word tells them to do. Changes the whole perspective. You have to do that. I don't got to do anything. This is what God's word has to say about the situation. You would be good to obey it. Yeah, you're right. You're right, I should obey God's word. And it helps to make things easier. Number two, in sharing with people, you exercising this gift of exhortation. Number two, learn to listen. Learn to be a good listener. Listening has more than just closing your mouth, although that's an important component of it, to stop talking and start listening. But also you need to learn with discerning ear that what you're hearing may not be the truth. What you're hearing may be biased. What you're hearing may not be all the facts. And you need to be patiently listening, using questions that will draw out more from the person so you can get to the root of the facts. And so you might want to use some questions like, well, what is it that got you in this place? What are the things that are actually making you feel this? What is it that you're lacking in your understanding of the Bible? And you're just learning to listen and be prayerfully prepared to be, well, what has been called unshockable, because they may share some heavy-duty stuff with you. And you don't want to be caught into it. You don't want to be drawn. You're there to help them. So you don't want to be drawn in and be so shocked that you can't be used by God to help them get out of this mess. Number three, it's important as you share with people and you serve them that you fight the tendency to let other people become dependent upon you. Fight the tendency to let other people become dependent upon you. Please, church, don't allow people to become emotionally attached to you and thus dependent upon you. Because as you're serving people, relationships will form, maybe even friendships will form, but we do people no service allowing them to attach themselves to us instead of pointing them to Jesus Christ. We don't want a bunch of relationships where we're emotionally attached to each other and we're dependent upon one another when our sufficiency must be in Jesus Christ. And this is a great danger when you start to share with them, we don't want people emotionally attached to one another. Instead, we desire for them to have a strong attachment to Jesus Christ. Because truly, Jesus is only, he's the only wonderful counselor. He's the only mighty God. And even though you may have poured hours and hours of your life into someone, you need to know when to let it go and point them to the Lord. Which leads us to the fourth thing, and that is, on a personal note, Please, church, as you're sharing with one another, pastors, leaders, servants, listen, protect yourself. This is number four. You protect yourself from emotional entanglement. It's not just people wanting to attach to you, but you may want to attach to them. Protect yourself. Because the Lord uses you so greatly and so powerfully in people's lives 
You need to keep a guard up in your life to not become emotionally attached yourself. That's why here at Calvary, men counsel men and women counsel women, biblically. Because we have seen too many men and women fall into sexual sin. Because you get a man together with a woman and vice versa and they begin to share their hearts with one another. There becomes an attachment. And before you know it, marriages are destroyed. Lives are wrecked. And so here at Calvary, men minister to men. Women minister to women. You can look it up in Titus. It's very biblical. It is very profitable. It's very spiritual. And let me tell you, it's very effective in the ministry. That's not that a pastor, ladies, would never talk to you. Of course we will. We can meet with you in the sanctuary here. We can meet with you in the cafe, but we will not be alone with you. And we'll listen to you in the very beginning, but our whole motive is to stabilize you in the Lord and hand you off to a godly woman so she can take you farther. That's why as you walk through the offices, you know what you'll see? You'll see a window on every office so that no pastor can ever be alone with anybody without somebody being able to look through the window into their office to protect them. Those are guards that we put up to protect us from being emotionally attached and understanding, the Bible says, that we know the schemes of the wicked one. We understand that. And so please, church, don't be offended by the biblical direction that we've taken. It's very fruitful, it's very effective, and God uses it mightily. And I would encourage you to follow through with the same guards in your life. Don't get emotionally attached when you're giving counsel. Also, when we're counseling in marital issues, we are very, very careful not to allow you, especially if you're not with your spouse, but even if you were with your spouse, we will not allow you to badmouth each other, to put each other down, and even more so, we won't be an ear to that, so we don't become like, well, you know, I could put my husband down or put my wife down in front of this guy, and then maybe even if you're the opposite sex and you start to, the enemy's just so slick. But I'll tell you what happens, what we won't allow either, what we won't allow is for you to start sharing with us maybe some of the difficulties you're experiencing in your marriage are sexual in nature. We won't let you go too far that way. We don't want to hear the details. We can hear enough of the issue itself where we don't even want our minds to go into the details of what's going on in your life, and we can still help you because we don't want that kind of connection. Some things in your marriage, listen, some things in your marriage aren't to go to a third party. You're to use a third party in your life to help you settle them before the Lord. And so there's even guards that we put up just so the enemy won't trip us up. We don't want to go there. And you're going to get good, solid, biblical help from us here, hopefully with the right guards up that we can point you to the Lord. And then fifthly, reinforce your ministry. Reinforce your ministry with this gifting by doing these following things. Tell people to read their Bible daily. Tell the people you're serving to pray daily. Encourage them to attend prayer meetings. Encourage them to become a part of a home fellowship or a smaller group. Encourage them to listen to Bible study teachings and MP3s and CDs on the topic and lift them to the Lord. The gift of exhortation is so wonderful. It's so needed. It's so valuable. Those of you that have that gifting, go for it. In the Lord. Amen. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a study in Romans. If you'd like to hear it again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Then look under Quick Links. We also offer the program by podcast. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll be able to download both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Thanks for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation today will help us present God's Word over the radio tomorrow. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word to help them grow by God's abounding grace. 
You're helping to make that possible. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Pastor Chuck Smith's book, Love, The More Excellent Way. We say and sing that love makes the world go round, that love is the answer, and that all you need is love. But what is love? And if it's so popular, why does it seem so hard to find? Allow Pastor Chuck to lead you to the answers in love, the more excellent way. Please call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you just like to make a donation and aren't interested in the resource, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Whether you're out of town, on vacation, sick and not feeling well, or you're under a stay-at-home order, you can always join us for services online at Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. Those service times are Saturdays at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 8.45 and 10.45. And we offer a midweek service, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We live stream at calvaryco.church. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll get into the next gift on this list found in Romans 12. It's the gift of giving. You'll want to hear what Pastor Ed Taylor has to say about it tomorrow. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.